Well, it's good to be with you men tonight. Uh, if you would please uh, open up in your Bibles with me to John chapter 3, or excuse me, James chapter 3. James chapter 3. James 3. We are looking at the topic of words and relationships together tonight. Words and relationships and uh, I think... Uh, James 3 really kind of sets the table for us. We're not going to spend our time expositing uh, from this passage. We're actually going to be back in uh, Proverbs, which is where we've been all year. And uh, tonight will be no different, but I think this sets the table. The book of James actually is really, um, you could say, your New Testament version of Proverbs. Uh, So really helpful stuff in here, especially about the tongue. It says in James 3, beginning in verse 2, says, uh, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the entire, uh, the entire body as well. Now, if, he, if we put the bits into the horse's mouths so that they will obey us, uh, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, They are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot wills. So also, the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. Behold, how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the, the course of our existence, and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. Uh, from the same mouth, Come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. So that's really the introduction to our, our, our time together tonight. Uh, just the amazing power of the, of the tongue. I mean, he says it here. He likens it to, uh, you know, a, a horse. A ho- horses are just magnificent, powerful creatures, uh, but you can control it with this small uh, bridle, this bitten bridle in, in its mouth. Just a very small object with a couple leather straps coming off of it, and you can steer this mighty beast. So also with ships, he says. It's just huge ships, huge sails. You can imagine a ship with sails, and uh, a lot of wind has to get it going. 
but uh, just one small little piece of wood, you know, at the, underneath the water and uh, just turns it and makes it go wherever the pilot wants it to go. Um, and he even likens the tongue to a fire where uh, we were, we're pretty familiar with fires in California, right? Uh, the destructive nature of fires. He, and James here, he reminds us that uh, so is the tongues. The tongue can be incredibly devastating and destructive. You know, there's, a, there's that old saying, sticks and stones, right? How does it go? Tell me. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. So uh, that's a lie. <laughs> that's a lie, right? We all know that. I mean, that's something that you tell kids, and it helps them kind of manage and cope, you know, being picked on. But really, it's, it's a lie, right? Because words are so powerful. Uh, so the first point tonight that we want to look at is just that. Know the strength of your words. Know the strength of your words. Power of words is something that uh, we must understand. Uh, under knowing the strength of your words, the power of words, the power of words. Uh, words can hurt. Words can damage. Many times, words uh, can do more damage than a physical harm. Uh, it's, there's, there's an old uh, New York Times article or, or newspaper clipping of a woman who committed suicide in New York and uh, she, she hanged herself, and uh, she left a suicide note, and it was just simply they said. She was so consumed with what other people said that uh, it just, she couldn't move past that and, and had, felt like she had to end her life. Uh, there is one uh, prominent uh, politician who is noted to, to say that in Washington, uh, it's... It's very common that uh, the main sport of Washington is essentially to ruin people with your words. It's a sport uh, in politics. Uh, and we can do quite a bit uh, of, of damage with our words. At the same time, though, God tells us that we can do quite a bit of good with our words. Our words can be very constructive, very powerful for, uh, for a means of good. Uh, words can help, heal, and, and build uh, equally as powerfully. Uh, a, a few Proverbs, to kind of, well, actually one proverb to, to get at this, that really sums up this whole truth in one. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. This is Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it, uh, will eat its fruit. So you love to talk, you're going to reap the benefits of what you say, right? You love to hear people talk, you'll reap the benefits or the, you know, the, the hurt or whatever else uh, of all of the stuff that you hear. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. This is to say that uh, there is much potential in your words. Uh, the word for power is, is, uh, is hand. So literally, death and life are in the hand of the tongue. Uh, 
But, uh, of course, we understand that it's, it's speaking metaphorically. Hand is what you do things with, right? You, we say that you work with your hands, right? You actually do stuff, right? It's, it's something that's handmade. Um, it's, it's the hands are involved in producing things. And the tongue can produce either death or life. It can damage, it can heal. It can... Uh, it can uh, wound, it can comfort, it can, it can um, uh, undo someone's efforts, or it can, as it were, throw roadblocks in people's ways mentally, but it can also uh, build and pave the way for people to accomplish things. So there is much power in words. Now, we want to look more detailed here uh, about in what ways are words powerful? Well, first, there is a, the deep impact of words. When it comes to words, um, we see its power first in how deeply words can impact people. Words can impact people incredibly deeply. And my goal here tonight is for you to really change how you talk. Change what you say and how you say it. I'm sure we can all uh, attest to how we need to do better with that. I mean, I, I feel almost hypocritical in all honesty because this is probably the one area where I struggle the most is with my words. Because, I mean, I've, I don't know, I, I guess you could say I've built, uh, I don't want to say I've built a career because that sounds weird. Um, I am... My calling and my gifting requires me to be good with words and to get better with words, right? I can use that for great good on a Sunday morning, but I can also use that to just say just the right thing and hurt the people that are closest to me, right? And I don't know about you, but, but it's, it's so easy, especially with those closest with you, those in your household, your friends or whoever, or wherever comes across you at the wrong time, it's, it's, it's really easy in those situations just to say whatever comes to mind. But we need to understand the impact of our words, and, and, and our words impact people incredibly deeply. Uh, Proverbs twelve eighteen says, There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword. So rashly here means thoughtlessly, right? Um when you speak as just a knee-jerk reaction, right? It's a reactionary kind of speech. It's, it's impulsive speech. Uh, that kind of speech, that kind of, uh, of communication, just whatever comes to mind, no filter, it just, yeah, I think it and it comes out, right? Uh, especially in heated moments. Those are like thrusts of a sword, meaning that they, they penetrate deeply. They wound incredibly deeply just like a sword would. Uh, one commentator on Proverbs, Bruce Walkie, he, he says, uh, a fool's tongue is long enough to cut his own throat. Man, so you can, not only can you harm others, but you can harm yourself, right? You can set yourself up uh, to look like a fool. You can catch yourself in your own lies. You can make enemies very quickly. Uh, you can ruin relationships easily with your tongue and you and it's, it's this visual of your tongue is 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 long enough to cut your own throat you can do self-damage 
uh, through the way that you talk. Now, on the other hand, um, well, uh, let, me, let me note this here. Uh, just to give you a sobering from the New Testament, from Christ, Matthew 12, 36, sobering dose of reality about, you know, what, well, those, those, I didn't mean that, right? Because that's usually our kind of cover for those rash words. I didn't mean it, you know. Well, but you said it, right? And, and, but but our, our counter is, well, I didn't really mean it. It didn't come from my heart or, or whatever. And, and that's not true according to other teachings of Jesus. But nonetheless, Matthew 12, 36 says, I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they will give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. So even the careless words, even the, the, the rash words, the, the thoughtless words, the, the words that just come out and without any thought, that, that were, um, you know, not premeditated and not fabricated, but they were just kind of just the impulse of the heart. Jesus says, uh, no, I, I care about those things, and I, and I take those into account, and I will take those into account at the, in the day of judgment. So God takes our words very seriously, even, even those light, half-hearted words, on the other hand, our, our, our words can have a deep impact for good, though. Uh, the other half of Proverbs 12, 18 says, But the tongue of the wise brings healing. So, you know, if we're, if we're prone to uh, uh, speak rashly and hurt people, uh, God says, I, I, what I want you to use your tongue for is to, to bring healing, not damage. To bring healing and not damage. Uh, and this is important because uh, we, we tend to think, we, we bought into this uh, you know, modern thinking that uh, time heals all wounds. Have you heard that before? Time heals all wounds? It doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, if anything, the most common thing that happens over time with wounds is they fester. And, and, and I'm talking spiritually. They, they, they fester and they, and they grow and, and, and they begin to poison the rest of your mind and your emotions. So time doesn't heal all wounds. Christ heals wounds and uh, the, the, the tongue of the wise heals wounds. So uh, if you've offended somebody, if you said the wrong thing, you don't just brush it off and say, I didn't mean it and you just move on and well, I'll wait for tomorrow, everything will be okay. And that'll, time will heal that. No, you need to actually say something and ask for forgiveness and say something positive, say something uh, that is a, a blessing to that person in order to bring about healing in the relationship. See the difference? There's a vast difference in, because uh, one, one is passive and the other one is active, right? Brothers, God wants us to be not passive, not to just say, well, time will heal that. I'll just ignore it and hopefully it just works itself out. He wants you to be active, to go into the fire, to be courageous and to just say something that will bring healing into that relationship that you've, that you've wounded maybe. Um, one more. Proverbs twelve twenty five says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. Uh, I can't tell you how many times um, I've seen especially in the context of marriage, right? Because this is usually the place, this is the battleground, right, in marriage, uh, where the wife, you can just see, she's, she's kind of downcast. Um, and uh, she's, she's worried, she's anxious. Uh, but then 
when I would uh, give that wife hope for her marriage or for her husband, that God will work on him or anything else. Um, when, I, when I use God's word and, and, and speak hope into the situation, uh, a good word, I can tell you how often the counselees, uh, resp- uh, their countenance just is lifted. And it's like, you know what, I'm, you're right. I, I, I'm not taking into account God in this. I'm, not, I'm thinking hopelessly where uh, I'm, I'm supposed to rest all my hope in God. And so uh, God says, uh, if you want those around you to be glad, uh, you need to speak good words. That is, uh, nice words. I mean, it's, it's not complicated. Just a good word. I mean, it's, it's not profound. It is, but it isn't. It's just nice. It's just a kind word, gentle word, uh, 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 an encouragement or something positive, especially in your homes, right? We can get really critical with those in our homes, can't we? Uh, and even in the workplace, we can get really critical about how this person's doing that. I wouldn't do it this way. And, and, and it just brings the morale down of either the workplace or the home. Uh, what we need to do as men, as leaders, wherever we go, we need to bring in good words, words of truth, words of encouragement, words of hope. And, and you, 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 whatever you uh, bring to your family, whatever you bring to your workplace, uh, that's what it will be. Uh, and so if you want happiness, if you want your house or your home, your household to be good, if you want your workplace to be good, you have to bring good to it. And the primary way is through your words. All right, uh, not only do words have this deep penetrating impact, but they also have this vast uh, produce. There, there, there's a vast produce of words. Words are, are able to accomplish many things, many things. They're, they're, it's so, it's so um, uh, potent with, with effect in our lives. Now again, uh, it, it does have the power on the destructive side like fire. In Proverbs 16, 27, and 28, a vile man digs up evil. The words on his lips are like scorching fire. A perverse man spreads strife. And a whisperer separates close companions. A lot of effects here in this passage, right? Um, if you are digging up evil, if you, if you are uh, rehashing old hurts, right? Old grudges, old resentments. Uh, that is a work of evil, of, of vileness, of, of wickedness. Uh, and not only this, but uh, the words of the lips are like scorching fire, meaning that it, it can devastate much, just like we saw in James 3, right? But specifically, what does that fire look like? What, what's the destruction? Well, strife, right? Verse 28, a perverse man stre- spreads strife. So just like uh, wildfire spreads and spreads, so does strife, so does contention, conflict. It just spreads and spreads and spreads. And not only that, but a whisper, uh, one who gossips, one who talks about other people to other people, uh, what, what happens as a result of those kinds of evil words is that close companions are separated. There's division. Even those who would be friends uh, division happens. And uh, so we need to be wary of what we say and how we say it. And it's not just uh, with our words. Even 
uh, manipulative and uh, perverse speech can be accompanied by what we call body language, uh, kind of like the unspoken language of humanity. Proverbs 6, 12 to 14 talks about body language. Uh, a vile person, a wicked man, is a one who walks with a perverse mouth. Right? There's, there's a speech. But notice also what comes along with the perverse mouth. Who winks with his eyes. Who signals with his feet. Who points with his fingers. Uh, verse 14. Who with perversity in his heart continually devises evil. Who spreads contentions. So that middle verse there, verse 13 there, uh, one commentator calls these uh, those silent, underhand procedures, those hints and suggestions, those provocations and signals. So you can um, uh, communicate uh, that you're opposed to somebody, even by how you stand, right? Especially uh, with with our wives, if you're married. Uh, we need to be careful about how you communicate physically, not just verbally. Uh, you don't want to take a, uh, in a opposing or, a, or excuse me, an imposing uh, posture. You don't want to be threatening, or uh, uh, you don't want to, you know, puff yourself up in front of your wife to to intimidate her. Uh, I remember my old pastor. He 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 would say, you know, um, if I uh, had you bunk with uh, Shaquille O'Neal, and he was your, your roommate for, for some time, uh, how would you feel if uh, you, know, you, you didn't pick up your socks one day and he just stands over you and just you know, gets all his muscles out and yells at you and speaks down to you and, and is upset with you because you left your socks on the floor? right? You would probably... Um, uh, just shriek in terror, right? Uh, we would, I think most of us would, would just be just so terrified of Shaquille O'Neal standing over us, right? And just trying to intimidate us. Uh, that's the percept, that's a perspective that most of our wives have of us. Just because we're men and they're women, right? And they're the weaker vessel. And the norm is that they're smaller than us or at least that we're more physically strong than them maybe more emotionally strong, more verbally strong. Even if we're smaller than them, we can have an intimidating kind of air about us if we, if we really want to. But we can't use that with our wives or with our children either. So uh, be careful about the impact of your words and even that nonverbal communication. Now on the other side of this, again, just like there are so many bad things that can come from our, our words, so are there so many good things that can come from our words, brothers. Um, good speech can yield a good return to the one who speaks them. Uh, Proverbs 12.14. Proverbs 12.14 says that a man will be satisfied with, with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the good deed of a man's hands will return to him. That first half of the proverb there is what we're looking at. That, uh, you know, if, if you speak well, if you speak right, and we'll look at what that means exactly, it's actually good for you. You'll be satisfied with the, with the fruit of what happens there. The, the fruit of friendships, good friendships, uh, good, or, or good relationships with those that you love. 
the fruit of favor, uh, maybe a boss that you've spoken well to or spoken well of. You can find favor in their eyes, right? Um, you're not just bad-mouthing these people all the time. Uh, you can reap the fruit of, of kindness from people, you know, where, where people are, you know, keeping you at, at arm's length and don't trust you or, or, or they, they uh, don't like you. If you're kind with your words towards them, you can reap kindness from them. Or uh, the, the fruit of a good reputation, right? We all want that, I think, especially in the workplace, especially in the church. We want a good reputation. We want to be known as men of God, holy men, good men. Uh, well, the, the way that you're going to get that fruit is by your, your speech. And the ultimate fruit uh, is the glory of Christ, right? It is His glory and the salvation of others. If you speak well, you're a good representative of your Savior. You're a good ambassador of Jesus Christ. And you, one of the fruit that you'll be satisfied with is, I, I brought glory to my King. Not only this, not only do you benefit, but others benefit as well. Others benefit from your speech as well. Proverbs 10, 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. So it's a fountain of life. And then Proverbs 15, 4. A tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. So a, a, it's good speech, right? Good content and good, you know, uh, uh, method or... or, or, or Fashion of speaking, good speech is a fountain of life and a tree of life, according to these two verses. Now, we know this to be true because we have experienced this, each one of us, if you're a believer, we've experienced this in our relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ, haven't we? Think about these verses. John 6, 63, the Spirit is the one who gives life, Jesus says, the flesh profits nothing, but the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. So just, just plucking one truth, right? We're not taking into account the context, but, but plucking this principle out of, of this passage, uh, that Jesus' words are life. They're spirit and life, but they're, but they're life. The meaning, when he says they're spirit, they're spiritual. They're, they're from the Holy Spirit. They are from above. Uh, and they are life, meaning they're life-giving. The words of Christ are life-giving. And they are life itself, even. Um, John 6, a little later on in that same chapter, verse 68, uh, when Jesus uh, offers an opportunity to his disciples to leave along with the crowd, right? And just turn their back on him and just go back to your normal life. He asks you, are you, you want to leave too? And Simon Peter answers him. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. See, You see, if this is true of you, if you have come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have come to understand that I don't want to go anywhere else but to Christ for what I learn and for my life. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to Google uh, how to live my life. I'll Google, you know, um, how to change the oil, but I'm not going to Google uh, things that's going to help me live for life and godliness unless I'm Googling for a verse, right? 
of course. Um, but I'm not going to ask uh, TED Talks. I'm not going to ask Oprah. I'm not going to ask the person next door. I'm not going to ask my coworker at the, at the water cooler about how to live life. Uh, I'm going to go to Christ for that. Uh, and and uh, so that should be, you should be a reflection of that in your life, brothers. That when people talk to you, there's a sense where it's life-giving. Because you're speaking truth to them, that, man, that's so clear. I understand what he's saying. I can see it from that perspective. Or, that makes so much sense, what he's saying. Or, man, I'm so encouraged. I, I don't feel like giving up anymore. Or, um, you know, I, I, I feel like I, I know what I need to do. It, it, you know, it was a hard truth that that brother told me. But, uh, you know, if I do what he says, then it's going to be good for me. Uh, whatever you say, whenever you say it, it should be life-giving to those around you, not tearing down. All right, so that's the power of your words. Uh, that is, um, uh, understand or know the strength of your words. Secondly, tonight, raise the standard of your words. Raise the standard of your words. So this kind of dovetails with our previous point. So if you think about this, and given the fact that uh, our words are incredibly powerful, it, 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 the logic is then we, we must take great efforts as men of God. We must take great efforts to improve the quality of our words, especially to those around us, right? Again, to our family, our wives, children, uh, our, our significant others, our, our immediate family, our relatives, our, our close friends, our co-workers, our neighbors, um, you know, those, those old lifetime friends from high school or what, whatever else. All of those relationships, brothers and sisters in the church especially, uh, we have to take great pains, brothers, to improve the quality of their words. And that's what I mean by raise the standard of your words. I want, to raise, I want you to raise the expectation that you have upon yourself and to get closer to the expectation that God has upon you and your words. Okay? So what does God say uh, should mark your words? Uh, the first mark of, of biblical, Christ-exalting, God-honoring words is Honest words. Honest words. Uh, can somebody read uh, Proverbs sixteen thirteen here for me? Thank you, brother. So, talking about righteous lips, uh, and then speaking uprightly. So righteousness and uprightness. Righteousness or righteous lips, righteous words. And he's talking about your speech, of course. Righteous is to line up with a standard. Uh, to, uh, it's the idea of, you know, you, you want to, if you're building a house or you're hanging or you're setting a, 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 a fence post, right? Uh, you want to make sure that that, Fence post or the, the wall on the house is straight up and down. You don't want it to be this way because then the rest of the fence is going to be this way, you know, and it's not going to last long. You want that fence post or that wall to be straight up and down. How do you do that? 
you get up, it's a plumb bob, right? You get a string, heavy object on the, on the bottom, and they make them just for that. And uh, you hang it down right next to the, to the, uh, to the, to the post. And you just line up, the, you just line up the, the wood, the post, to make it go straight up and down right alongside that string. And you do that on all angles, and it's straight up and down. Well, today they have nice gadgets. You can probably get out your iPhone and just put up, you know, a leveler on the top of the post, and that does the same thing. But the principle is the same. Uh, you are trying to align uh, an object with, with what is straight or what is right. Uh, that's the idea of what you need to do with your speech. So what's the plumb line? It's Scripture. It's truth, right? It is to align your speech with truth. And of course, the truth that's found in Scripture, but just truth, period, to not lie, right? To speak the truth, to say what is real. And that's what it means uh, to have righteous lips. And those are the delight of kings. That is it, your boss or those over you in authority they will be happy if you just tell them the truth, right? Don't sugarcoat what happened. Don't, if you broke something at work, don't try and cover your tail. You just own up to what you, the mistake that you did, and you just tell them how you're going to fix it, right? Don't be afraid. Um, also, upright. He says, he who speaks uprightly is loved. Upright is, is the idea of straight or, or, or level, the idea is, is, is basically it's not crooked, right? It's not, you know, crooked uh, words, crooked speech. That is, uh, your speech has a moral integrity to it, moral integrity to it. So what this means, what, what, what does this mean? Uh, you need to be honest with each other. We need to be honest with those around us. Uh, Proverbs 24, verse 24 to 26 says, he who says to the wicked, you are righteous, right? Is that true, right? If I say to a wicked person, you're righteous, is that true or upright? No, right? It's not truth. Uh, he who says to the wicked, you are righteous, peoples will curse him. Nations will be indignant with him. But those who reprove the wicked, it will be pleasant. And a good blessing will come upon them. He kisses the lips who responds with right words. So if you just say what the truth is, even if it's an unpleasant truth, it will go well with you. Uh, one thing I've always told my children is, in raising them is you should never be afraid of the truth. Because uh, if, if you tell me the truth of what you did, if it was wrong, of course there will be consequences. But if you lie and I find out that you lied, the consequence will be far more severe. I would encourage you to have that same expectation upon your household. That there, there, is, there is such a valuing of truth in your home that, uh, that uh, to, to negate the truth or disregard the truth is, is something that we just don't do. We don't lie to each other. Uh, and, and then Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. This speaks of our conversations with one another as, as, as men, men of God, brothers. And 
if you have people within your household that, that you are a brother or a sister or a, a brother to. It says, better is reproof that is revealed than love that is hidden. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an, of an enemy. Right? So uh, he's saying, you know, sometimes we don't want to say the hard thing or, or, you know, speak the truth to somebody uh, because it's going to hurt their feelings because I'm calling them out in their sin or I'm, I'm pointing out a bad pattern in their life that they need to fix. And that's going to hurt them and, and they're not going to be happy with me. There's probably going to be an argument. And I can't tell you how many men... Uh, uh, I can't tell you the, the destructive nature of doing that as a husband, specifically. If I can speak to you men as, who are husbands, you cannot be afraid. Well, you, first of all, you can't be afraid of your wife, first of all. Uh, but secondly, you cannot be afraid of the truth. Don't be afraid of the truth. Fear God, right? And some men, I've seen this with my own two eyes, some men will just not say what needs to be said because they're afraid of their wife. They're afraid that their wife is going to get angry, that their wife isn't going to uh, give them pleasure later that day. They're afraid that their wife is going to withhold from them. They're afraid that their wife is going to, it's just going to be a cold shoulder for the rest of the day or the week or the month. They're just worried, and so they avoid Brothers, you cannot do that, especially in marriage, but even, even also in your other relationships with one another. If you have an offense against somebody, that has to be clear. Because again, time does not heal all wounds. Truth does. Good, good words do. And uh, if you want to be a faithful friend, Sometimes your best friends are going to be those that, that uh, deal out the, the, the most hurtful wounds. But he's talking here about wounds of reproof, not wounds of you know, evil or harshness or anything like that, but wounds of reproof, like you know, where, you, where you need to hear, look, man, you're, you're not leading your home, or, or look, brother, you're... you're um, being scared of your wife, or, or look, you need to provide, or you need to shape up your act. You need to get your life in order. You need to read the Bible. You need to read the Bible with your family. You need to, you need to uh, be there on Sunday. You need to give, or whatever that you need to do this. Those hurt, right? Especially because we're saying you're not doing this. You need to do this. Uh, that hurts often. And it's, it's not, I know myself, it's not easy to take those. But I would rather have that than somebody say, you know, somebody be my number one fan, right? I don't need fanboys. I don't need yes men. I don't need a, a, a cheering gallery. Neither do you. So you need to welcome and invite and even seek out criticism and critique. And uh, I think you probably know the people that closest to you that are there to do that. All right, we need to keep going. Uh, we need to have few words. Few words. That is little. <laughs> that is in, in, in quantity. Uh, you know, sometimes the best thing to say 
is nothing. <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, again, Proverbs 20, uh, 27, 5 uh, to 6. Uh, it, 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 is, it is sometimes good uh, to just not say anything. Um, Proverbs 13, 3 says, The one who guards his mouth keeps his soul. The one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. So you see there, like there, there it's like a gate, right? You, you guard the gate of your mouth and your soul is safe. But if the gates are wide open, then you open yourself up for ruin in your relationships and, and everything else. So when we do speak, brothers, let our words be few. It's for our own good, as here, it's for the good of your relationships. For example, Proverbs eleven thirteen says that he who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets, but he who is faithful in spirit conceals a matter, Right? So you're not lying, but you're, it's in contrast to going around slandering somebody, right? For example, Matthew, in Matthew 18, where it talks about church discipline, there's wisdom in God's, in Jesus' instruction of, if you find a brother that's in sin, you, by yourself, go in private and tell them, Right? It doesn't say go and tell the church right right away. It doesn't say go and tell the elder. It doesn't say go and tell your spouse, or it doesn't say go and tell uh, your your close friend. It says just go deal with it in private first. And most often, it, that, it'll just handle it right there and then. And uh, that's that's the goal. We we want to just deal with sin and keep it private, and we want to not shame people. Um, and so you would, do, you would do wise, brothers, to conceal a matter. When it doesn't need to be placarded, don't placard it. Most often it doesn't. When, when somebody doesn't need to know, then don't say it. Uh, Proverbs 10.9 tells us that this also helps keep us from sin. It says, when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who holds back his lips has insight. That first half of, the, of Proverbs 9, uh, 10, 19 uh, was a memory verse in our home uh, for, for a, a little bit of time because, you know, we like to talk. And, uh, but sometimes it just got to be too many words. And, uh, and we need to understand that, uh, you know, the more you talk, you're just going you're, you're gonna to sin, right? And this is across the board. This is us as men. This is, this is women, right? I think we often think of this as a, uh, an issue for women. It is, but it's an issue for men too, right? When we get together with the guys and we start just being silly, right? And just saying whatever, right? And the filter's full. It's, it, it's, it's 10, 11 o'clock at night and my, my, my righteous sanctification filter is full, right? And so everything's just coming out, uh, that is this passage. If you keep on talking, you're going to sin. So it's, it's better if you just don't say anything. All right? Uh, third, calm words. Calm words. I think this is pretty self-explanatory. Brothers, we, when we talk, we got to keep our cool. We have to keep our cool. 
We have to stay calm. Uh, let me just rattle off a few, uh, uh, four verses here, and, and I'll, and I'll say, say some words here about this. Uh, Proverbs seventeen twenty seven: He who holds back his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of discernment. Proverbs eighteen thirteen: He who responds with the word before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. Uh, Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That is such an important uh, verse for many of us. Proverbs 25.15, when one is slow to anger, a ruler may be persuaded, but a soft tongue breaks the bone. So all of these are talking about uh, uh, keeping your cool, staying calm, being thoughtful about your words. Um, For example, again, 18.13, Proverbs 18.13. The idea is to, to, to hear somebody out, to be able to keep your cool and to keep your composure, your self-control long enough to really hear the other person out. Stop cutting off that person right in, in your life. Stop cutting off their speech. Listen them all the way through. Hear their argument Try and understand their, their heart and, and really what they value when, as they're talking. Try and really understand what's happening in, in, in their soul and then respond. Often we just cut them off and say, nope, nope, you're wrong. <laughs> right? I'm right. You're wrong. And that's it. And, and a discussion. Right? Uh, that, that is not helpful. That's not constructive. That, uh, that breaks down uh, relationships. Uh, and then, of course, Proverbs 15.1 is such a, a crucial one for us, I think, as, as men. Um, you know, sometimes we want to extinguish a disagreement by just, you know, saying, this is how it is, that's, and, and that's, that's that, right? Uh, but that's not a gentle answer. When we're in the midst, especially when we're in the midst of an argument, you'll be surprised how just a gentle answer, a kind word, a word of blessing, if it's with your wife, you know, dear, I just want you to know, I know we're getting heated, I just want you to know I love you, right? Oh, that just calms everything down. Or with a friend, brother, I, we're disagreeing and we're not seeing eye to eye and, and, and I'm just, we're having a hard time here communicating. Can, can, can I just remind you that we're brothers in Christ and I know you care for me as much as I care for you, if not more. And I think we want the same good result, but I think maybe we're just seeing at it, looking at it from different angles here. And let's try and resolve this. Can we work together? Wouldn't that calm the situation down? Uh, we need to give gentle answers, and that just diffuses wrath. That, that, it, it deflects like a shield. It turns away wrath, and it steers it the other way. Um. Uh, keeping your cool is essential for good and productive, not destructive speech. Uh, it shows discernment and understanding. It's seen in calmly listening bef before speaking in a rush. It is helpful because it diffuses conflict and it is much more effective than angry outbursts. Uh, you can accomplish more with a calm, measured uh, communication than you can with just bulldozing 
uh, a conversation. All right, uh, lastly, under this point, apt words. That's a word that we don't use very often. Apt. You can write in there fitting as well. Fitting is more of a, uh, I think, a term that we're used to. Fitting words. Uh, Derek Kidner, I I owe a lot of this uh, lesson to him uh, and the way he breaks down uh, this doctrine in the book of Proverbs. Derek Kidner, uh, his his book, uh, his commentary on Proverbs in the Tyndale uh, commentary series, he says in, in, in his commentary, a truth, follow with me here, a truth that makes no impression as a generalization may be strongly fixed in the mind when it is matched to its occasion and shaped to its task. What is he saying? He's saying, you know, nice ideas, nice general principles, they tend to have a hard time sticking in our minds, right? Just general things. But if words come to us at just the right time or just the right application, that is just like, man, that's right where I am, and that's exactly what I needed to hear today. Or, I mean, did my wife call you and tell you what happened, right? I mean, there, there's times where that happens. Those things tend to stick more because it was just the right thing at the right time. So flip that and think about how you speak to others, right? If you want to be heard, if you want, especially those in your, if you have a household, if those in your household or, those, or somebody that you're trying to persuade or trying to, to, to reach an agreement with, or somebody that you're trying to have an impact, maybe it's a disciple, maybe it's somebody that you're teaching, uh, somebody that you're training up at work or whatever else it might be, somebody you're trying to have an impact on. Think about uh, when you say things. Uh, the word, um, the word apt. Uh, I, I got to read the verse here. Uh, Proverbs fifteen twenty three. A man has gladness in an apt answer or a fitting answer. And how good is a timely word? So you see there uh, the parallel between apt and timely. Right? There's they're 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 similar. They they speak into one another. Those two words. So, the word apt, it literally means opening. And, and there's a vast you know, range of translation, but, but literally in its essence, it means opening. So it can be an opening of a mouth, an opening of a gate. But here it's, speak, it's speaking uh, metaphorically in, in uh, an answer that, is, that has an opening. That's the idea. So what, what does this mean? Look for, a to, look for an open opportunity for what you're trying to say. Sometimes we, try, or we are trying to communicate something to those around us, and it's just not getting through, right? Have you ever had that? I'm, I've said the same thing 20 times. It just wasn't the right time, apparently, right? You've got to wait for the right time. And, and, and ladies need to do this to us, right? Our, our wives, if you, if you have a wife, uh, ask them to do this for you, to help you. Like, sometimes it, it, it's just, it, what you said was right, it's, this is just not the time, right? I'm not, 
ready for that or I'm not mentally prepared or, or I, I give me a moment, I need to pray or I'm just frustrated, I'm angry right now, I'm, whatever you say is just not going to stick probably. Let me calm down, let me pray and get right and then we can talk. So look for an open opportunity or a time when people are more open to your words. See the words open? So it's an open opportunity or when people are more open to your words. So a situation or a setting where, man, this is, you know, this is going to, this is the right time to bring this up. Uh, you know, they, they did that pattern, that, they're, that sinful pattern that they're doing. They just did it again. Okay, now is the time. I need to seize the opportunity and, and say, hey, you just did that. Actually, I've seen you do that multiple times before. This is a pattern that I'm seeing. Can we talk about this? Right? Uh, those are open opportunities. Um, Proverbs 25.11 says, Like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. So it's, the idea is an ornament of gold, an apple of gold, like a, 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 a sculpture of, of, of a round-ish kind of gold thing. In, in a setting of silver, right, you can imagine jewelry or uh, fine china or, you know, some platter at a really expensive restaurant or something, they, they, they shine and uh, and, and they have all kinds of engravings and all these things in it. And uh, there's something nice about that, right? The presentation of it. Well, he's talking about presentation here with your words, right? A good presentation, a good way to present something is in the right circumstance. In the right circumstance. So the, the idea here is, uh, you know, you want what you say, how you say it, when you say it, to have uh, an, an aesthetic appeal to it. That's the idea. You want it to be in a, something that is attractive to your hearer. Presented in such a way where, you know what, you're right. I can, I can see your point. You know what, uh, yeah, that's fresh in my memory. Uh, I think you, you, you're on to something here in my life. Um, or whatever else it might be. You know, I'm... I'm in a good mood right now, and I'm glad that you came to me now. Um, uh, I'm, I'm actually open to that, and, and let's, let's talk about that. I have the energy to talk about that. Uh, if you do this, brothers, if you are thoughtful about how you present things and when, then those that you're talking to will receive your words better. Jonathan Edwards says, let there be something of benevolence, that is kindness or grace in what I speak. Is what you say, you know, uh, uh, palatable to those around you? So brothers, I want to encourage you, uh, uh, think of your times with the, the brethren, your church family. Think of your times with your, your family at home. Think of your times with your friends or those your coworkers, but I want to I want to hold out uh, the church family and your biological family as the the prime spheres where this needs to be applied, because if it doesn't start there, it's not going to happen in the other places. So in the church family and your and your biological family, 
or your family unit. Uh, think of your times with them as if you're going to the store. What do I mean? If you, if you go to the store with a plan to get something for yourself, well, you're not going to go empty-handed, are you? You're going to bring a wallet. And if it's, if it's a cash-only place, like they got a lot of those in San Jose, I'm finding out. A lot of cash-only, you know, hey, no, no judgment. If there's a cash-only place, uh, then you want to make sure you're going to have cash with you too, right? You've got to have it on hand, in your pocket. So also it is with your uh, church family and your family units. If you want to be blessed when you go and interact, if you want to get something good out of that relationship, then don't go empty-handed, right? Do not go without some of God's truth in your mind. Come to church with a verse that you read this week. I mean, we have verses that we're memorizing as a church. You bring that to, in, in your mind to, on Sunday and say, you know, I was thinking about that verse, and man, uh, I'm just amazed at how gracious God is, you know, that he doesn't get sick of me whenever I ask him, what do I do, you know? Because he should tell me, uh, he should just shout down from the clouds, I've told you what to do, you're not listening, <laughs> right? But I'm grateful that, uh, you know, uh, he who uh, lacks wisdom, right? Let him ask God, who is gracious and gives without reproach, and it will be given to him. And bring truth like that. Just encourage somebody, right? If you want to be blessed, if you want to get something out of your times with your brethren or with those that are close to you, you got to bring something to the table. You're not going to go to the store empty-handed. Don't come here empty-handed, Okay? Now, uh, I want to close briefly. We have this whole other last point, but I'll just give you the points and say a few words. Give me, if you can give me five minutes, I think we'll be able to cover this. The third point, change the source of your words. Okay, what am I bringing? How do I bring the right thing, right? Um, how do I bring the right thing to my conversations, to my communication with those around me? How do we build good habits with our words? Well, the source of our words is the main issue, where it's coming from. Now we're getting to the heart of the matter. And the source of your words must be adjusted if the product of your words is to ever change. Um, so the first source is holy character. Holy character. What you say and how you say it reveals the state of your heart. Um, two verses. There's others, but just two. Proverbs 4.23, Guard your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. It's a familiar verse uh, for this series in Proverbs, right? It's, all, it's always a heart issue. So, so also, one of the springs of life is your speech. 
Uh, and so, you know, this, this aligns exactly with the, the most wisest man that ever lived, uh, Jesus Christ. Matthew 15, 18 says, But the things that proceed uh, out of the mouth come from the heart. So whatever comes out of your mouth really comes out of your heart. And so that's why you got to watch, especially those knee-jerk, uh, rash words. Remember that we talked about at the beginning? Uh, because actually, though we say I didn't mean it, we probably mean it more than we think. Because out of the, out of the, the, the mouth, the heart speaks. Uh, so you need a right heart. That is a heart that is right with God, a heart that has been changed uh, by Christ in salvation, you need to, if you're not a believer tonight, you need to ask God first for a new heart. Uh, if you just start changing how you talk, you're putting a band-aid on an open wound, and it's not going to work, and you're only going to be able to keep that up for a, a certain amount of time before it just becomes unsustainable. So you need to first cry out to God for a new heart, for him to save you, to regenerate you, that you're born again, and to, to renew you through and through, to make you a new man. And, and out of that will come the right words. So I say this to say, um, even as believers, though, this is true. You need to understand, men, that you are what you say. You are what you say. Your words come from down deep, as from your very soul. There's a couple Proverbs. Uh, if you're fast enough, we can jot down Proverbs 14.5 and 12.17. Proverbs 14.5 and 12.17 speak about um, the, the words of, of, of men uh, breathing out as, as if, uh, as like a, you know, they're breathing out from their most inner depths, from their soul. And in uh, Proverbs 10.20, our speech, our tongue, uh, is equated with our heart. So God sees them as uh, uh, vitally and intimately connected. Your heart and your speech, there's, there's you know, a direct tube, right? There's a direct conduit from your heart to your mouth, right? And it's not the lungs, right? It's not through the lungs and the esophagus. I'm talking about spiritually. There's a direct conduit. There's a direct path from your heart to your mouth. And so you need to be thinking about, what have I been saying? Well, then what does that say about my heart? Right? If I've been, have I been speaking in anger? I'm an angry man. I just need to own up to that. Right? If I've been speaking evil, I'm an evil man. Uh, if I've been speaking harshly, I'm a harsh man. If I've been speaking uh, lies, I'm a liar at heart. And I need to deal with that at a heart level. Right? You see? This is all heart issue stuff. Uh, John of the Cross, he's a reformer. He says, let your language be offensive to no one. Let it be about matters such as will cause you no trouble if everybody knew of them. I like that. He's basically saying, you, whenever you talk to somebody, you should be able to talk in such a way that if what you just said was broadcast to your friends, your mom and dad, or your, 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 to your pastor, or to uh, you know, your brother or sister in Christ, uh, to your boss, or whoever, your co-worker, your, your other acquaintances, that whoever heard it, you know, they wouldn't be just floored by what you just said. But, see, we're raising the standard. You, you need to expect more of yourself 
and act as if God is with you and Christ is with you and the Holy Spirit is within you because they are. Um, the other source uh, is Holy Scripture. Holy Scripture. So a holy character and then Holy Scripture. So just like the saying goes, garbage in, gar- garbage out, right? Uh, again, Matthew 12, 34, Jesus says, the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. So whatever's in the heart, that's what comes out. Um, Proverbs 22, 17 to 21. It's a whole passage where basically the teaching is, uh, listen to what I say, uh, it, gain wisdom from God's word, and then when you talk, you'll talk right. Proverbs twenty-two seventeen to 21. Uh, so garbage in, garbage out, so also truth in, truth out, good in, good out. Um, if you put Holy Scripture in your heart, holy words will come out, right? So what do we put in? A familiar passage as we close. A familiar passage. Uh, a verse, uh, Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is dignified, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, consider these things. That is, ponder on these things. Uh, put these things into your mind and then just rattle them around in your brain, right? Chew on them like a good, you know, steak. Like sometimes, I've, if you've had a, ever had a, just a wonderful steak, it's just, I just want to keep chewing on this thing because it's just so delightful in my mouth, right? It's just so good. Or whatever, you know, dessert or something that's your favorite. It's just like, you know, you reach the bottom of the ice cream bowl and it's like, oh, there's no more, right? I like it better when it was in my mouth, not in my stomach, <laughs> right? Uh, see, it's the same idea. The word of God is a delight to the man of God. And you should just chew on it, savor it, uh, enjoy it, think about it, uh, examine it study it. All of those things are, are what it means to be, to be considering these things. So fill your mind with the truth of God that is true, dignified, right, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and praiseworthy. If you do, then what's going to happen is, remember garbage in, garbage out, good in, good out? What's going to happen is what you say will begin to be dignified, right, Pure, lovely, do you see where I'm going? Commendable, excellent, praiseworthy. Don't you want your speech to be like that? Well, then you've got to get that into you first. So the source needs to be Holy Scripture. So brothers, I want to close uh, with, with this. Uh, a quote. Lewis Bailey says, Keep your speech as clean from all obscenity as you would your meat from poison. And let all your talk 
be gracious, so that he who hears you may grow better because of you. And be ever more earnest when you speak of religion than when you talk of worldly matters. See, the best and most delightful conversations that we should have, brothers, are when we talk about uh, the truth of God's word and everything associated with that. About God himself, salvation, the Bible, uh, the church, uh, the sovereignty of God, uh, his workings in this world. Uh, our most meaningful and impactful and, and enjoyable conversations should be centered around the things of God. And so I want to encourage you, brothers, to uh, make it a point to, uh, to let your speech uh, be changed by God, to raise the standard uh, of expectation on your words for yourself. And I guarantee you, it will not only be good for those around you that they'll enjoy that from you, but you'll actually begin to reap benefits for yourself uh, for the glory of God. All right, let me pray. Heavenly Father, uh, I thank you, Lord, for your word and how you uh, instruct us in just the finest details of life. Lord, you're, you're so gracious to uh, be patient and patiently and, and, and uh, de- in such a detailed way to instruct us in even a simple thing as how to talk, uh, something that we sometimes don't even think about. Uh, we just do it. Help us, Lord, to, to actually think about how we talk. Help us to actually um, uh, think before we speak and uh, to take a few moments to, to speak to you and to pray and ask for your wisdom to say the right thing at, in the right way at the right time. I pray, Lord, that uh, the result would be that we would have stronger, more uh, enjoyable marriages, uh, that we would have uh, homes that are a delight to be in, that we would have friendships that are strong and safe, uh, that we would have um, relationships in, in the church that are healthy and life-giving. Pray that you would give us a favor with the unbelieving world, those that we interact with, whether it's at home or in the workplace or at school or wherever else, that we would gain reputations of godliness to those around us so that when times of opportunity come for us to preach the gospel, uh, that they won't be surprised that the gospel is coming out of our mouths too. Uh, and it's been such, so different from the other things they've heard come out of our mouths. I, I pray, Lord, that we would gain a reputation of being ambassadors of Christ in this world and use our speech, Lord, to give you great uh, honor and a dignity in this world. May we, may we be a, a lighthouse for truth as your people. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen, brothers. All right, you you notice on the bottom of your notes there...